Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to My Evangel Online. If uh, you don't know who I am, my name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church in beautiful Powell River. And wherever you're watching from, those in the Powell River region, shout out to you. I hope that you're uh, enjoying this uh, beautiful smoke we have coming in. And if you're watching from outside of this region, I know down in the Lower Mainland, the smoke is there too, and other places, other regions. And so what a, yeah, what a time. Um, before we jump in, we just wanted to just give you a bit of a, a picture of what happened. We were supposed to have some in-person gatherings today, and we canceled those due to what's going on in our community of Powell River. And we do have confirmed cases of COVID, and there's, um, we just wanted to give space and time for our health authority to do the contact tracing that they need to do, get in touch with individuals who uh, may uh, have come in contact with other individuals, and so we want to let, let that process kind of play out and we felt it was wise at this time to not add another gathering uh, to this process. And so thank you so much for being uh, flexible with that. And I hope that you've joined us online uh, in your living rooms, your kitchens, wherever you are. And if you are with us, why don't you just give us a quick hello on that keyboard. Uh, you just give us a like or uh, a heart or Maybe you want to do a little care face and, and you know hug everybody right now. Whatever you want to do, um, just let us know that you're here with us. It's just always encouraging for us to see you and to hear from you. And so just invite you to do that right now. And uh, we're going to open a prayer and then we're going to get into Hebrews chapter 12, uh, kind of the from, from 3 on to 17. And it's quite a bit of a thing. It's quite a bit of a journey. So hope that you hang out with us. The big question today is how do some people go through hard times and they come out better for it and others they don't. And I think the writer of Hebrews kind of addresses that dynamic quite well. So if you're with us, stick around. Lord, we pray that you'd be with us today. You'd be our guide in truth, that you would teach us. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing. We pray for those who are going through hard times right now with COVID in our region, in our area. Lord, would you be their sustainer? Lord, would your hand of healing be upon them? And Lord, would you reveal yourself to our community through this process as well as you draw near? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stick around, everyone. All right, so let's dig in. If you have your Bibles, why don't you just flip over to Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, uh, visit myevangel.church, myevangel.church forward slash Bible, and you can get a digital one right now, or you can fill out a form there, and we would love to get a physical Bible, a paper Bible into your hands if you live in this Power River region. And so we are just excited about getting God's word into the hands of people. And so if that's you, myevangel.church forward slash Bible. So Hebrews chapter 12, when you get there, we're gonna camp out there. But parents, uh, do you remember the moment that you had to let your kids or your kid go through hard times? That moment when you realized that you couldn't always be there for them, that you had to let them go through hard times. And of course, each stage of life is different. You know, if you remember the toddler years, 
uh, anytime, even to this day, when I see a toddler that's learning to walk and is just getting their feet under them, and they start going downhill, you know what I'm talking about? And you can just, you can just feel it, you know it's coming. This kind of forward momentum, and all of a sudden their, their big bulbous head gets out in front of their body, and you know it's coming, and they, they, they biff it and often get hurt. But here's the deal, there comes a point where you gotta kinda let them learn their limits. You gotta let them learn the risk and the reward. You have to let them learn how to go downhill. And so you can't always be there for them. You have to just kinda step back and let go. You know, it, it gets a little bit weirder uh, when you know, the teenage years come and you know, you can either try to control every aspect of their lives and, and have you end up like hating you, or you let them go. You let them explore their independence a little bit more. You know, nothing says that more when you, when you hand over the car keys to that 16 year old. And I'm, I'm saying that as someone, as a dad who's psyching himself up, because I'm not far from that moment. But you have to kind of let them go. But, but the mark of the, a good parent is, is allowing age-appropriate moments of risk. You know, you don't allow things that are going to be detrimental to the rest of their lives. So you, you, you kind of have to weigh this out. For instance, if that same toddler that, you know, you let run downhill and maybe has a wipeout and skins their knee, not a big deal. That's going to heal. That's going to be okay. They've learned something. But that same toddler, you're not going to let them kind of reach for the handle of a pot of boiling water on the stove. No, you're gonna intervene. You're gonna jump in and you're gonna make sure that they know they can't touch that pot because it could leave a detrimental lifelong scar or situation in their life, right? Um, so the difference is real consequences. We allow our kids to have these moments of real consequences, but then we have these moments where we introduce what we call discipline, and we, we would, for today's talk, we're gonna kinda call those artificial consequences. So we institute artificial consequences, you know, timeouts and those kind of things, because we don't want our kids to do something that is gonna be detrimental to the rest of their lives. And so we kind of have to walk this out. Good parents know when to let go and when to intervene. And there's two types of discipline here. Um, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but we're going to kind of, for today's talk, we're going to talk about it in terms of artificial consequences and real world consequences. All right? So let's just separate those two because it's important to understand that these both exist when it comes to raising up kids. And this is gonna, you'll see why this means something. Um, the writer of Hebrews in this upcoming passage has, has a kind of take on God where he speaks of him as a father who loves his children enough to discipline them. And when he speaks of discipline in this passage, as we'll see, he's talking about both kind of pictures of discipline, real world discipline, real-world consequences, and at times, artificial consequences. Stepping in so we don't do anything detrimental to our eternal lives. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews 12. We're going to be reading 3 to 17. So let's read that together. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, 
so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to dig into that. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, but by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he had found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Now, under the best of circumstances, uh, these passages can be kind of polarizing depending on a lot of things, depending on your life experiences, depending on how you're raised, depending on what you immediately think of when you think of discipline. Um, so there's so much going on here. So we need to kind of get onto the same page and understand what is being said here. We need to, we need to manage the tension of this kind of moment in Scripture. And there's a few fundamentals that we have to establish before we find a sense of in hope in what we've just read. The first one, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you to take notes, even if you don't never look at it again. It's just a practice of writing something down and, and, and kind of thinking about it, meditating on it, engaging it. So if you have a piece of paper or your phone or whatever, just take notes. The first thing, there are two types of discipline we experience. There's two types. And we've already kind of talked about this. Um, in verse 6, it says, For the Lord disciplines, okay, underline that, the one he loves, and chastises, underline that, every son whom he receives. Now, notice that the two words, they seem to be the same. Depending on how you were brought up, they seem to be, okay, what, there seems to be very little difference between the word discipline and the word chastise. And yet, there is a difference. When we go back to the Greek, there's a difference between these two words. The word discipline means to educate and to train up. To educate and to train up. And the word chastise <laughs> means to flog, whip, or scourge. To flog, to whip, 
or scourge. But here's the deal. Both are necessary in the journey of people maturing and growing and becoming better versions of themselves. Both are necessary. And this speaks to what we've already talked about, this idea of artificial consequences and real-world consequences. Now, there's a caveat to all of this. Um, I want to be careful that you understand that not everything hard in life, not everything that you have to endure in this world is necessarily God actively disciplining or chastising you. Here's the deal. We live in a broken world. We are broken people in a broken world. And there's moments where life is just hard. But here's the deal. Here's, here's kind of the flip side of that. Everything that is hard, everything that challenges us, everything that comes against us and hurts in this world, God can use it and can dig out the potential for growth in it. So even in discipline, it's not that God is actively bringing all these hard things, but he has the ability to come alongside you in the process of unpacking the potential for growth, even in hard things. Okay, are you tracking with me? So artificial consequences, where God steps in and he chastises his sons and his daughters so that eternity and life is not nothing detrimental to that happens in your life. And there's seasons where God will do that. But also there's this real world consequences. Some part, part of it is just our choices, our decisions, and they carry consequences, particularly when we make choices and decisions out of our brokenness, right? But God can even take those and educate and train us up and dig out the potential for growth in that. Now I felt I just needed to say that because you know, I think we've all seen the abuses. If you've been a part of church for any amount of time, I'm sure you've seen the abuses of this idea that, you know, if there's something bad going on in your life, it must be God judging you. Um, I'm sorry, but I don't see that in scripture. Uh, there, there is room for that, but I would say that's the exception, not the rule. God is always looking for ways to redeem the hard things in your life, to dig out the potential to see you grow rather than just coming against you. So let's just put that on the table. Here's the second, if you're taking notes, the second fundamental idea is all discipline is motivated by love. Hebrews 12, verses six again, says, for the Lord disciplines the one he, what? The one he loves. The argument is made that it's, it's an indifferent father who does not discipline his children. And there's, there's an assumption. If you're not being disciplined, there's an assumption of an absence of love. You know, verses uh, 7 to 8, kind of 7b, the latter part of 7 says, God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And then the writer goes on to make the argument that those disciplined have respect for their fathers, their earthly fathers. And, and here's the deal. These are earthly fathers that are trying to figure this whole thing out. Any dads out there, you're going to say, and you'll agree with this statement, 
I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to do the best I can. But even earthly fathers who are just trying to do the best they can are going to be respected if they discipline their children. That's both artificial consequences, instilling artificial consequences, right? To protect from detrimental moments of life change, but also stepping back and allowing real world consequences and hard times to um, engage your kids. We understand that that's happening. But if you allow that to happen, there's a respect that comes from your children. Now, you need to remember that this is being written to an audience in the first, possibly second century. Um, when you think of, you know, fathers at that time, it's very different than what we think of now. You know, there's a level of power and responsibility among fathers of the first, second century that we don't fully understand today. And some were indifferent. Uh, some were good fathers, but some were also like tyrants in their homes. And, and you might say, well, we have that today. We have good fathers and indifferent fathers and tyrants in the home. But here's the difference, though. In our country, in our Western civilization, we have uh, societal uh, standards and laws that protect children and protect families and homes. Uh, in that time, a father by law, both within the Jewish system, but also within the Roman government system, uh, could... <laughs> could execute their kids. That's, that's a real deal. They could execute their kids. Like they held absolute power in that time. And so as the writer is writing this picture of God, he's bringing a clarity about what he means by father and what he means by discipline and chastisement. And so it's important to understand kind of the view, the, the, the focal view, the lens in which these people were hearing this for the very first time. I remember uh, a day in my life where I made some poor decisions. Uh, they kind of haunted me. Uh, the moment I kind of walked in some poor decisions out of my brokenness, uh, there was all sorts of stuff going on internally for me. Uh, so I, I, I didn't know how to manage it. I, I ended up uh, not going to work. I just kind of didn't call in either. <laughs> um, I, uh, I kind of you know, ran to kind of a, a pastor that I knew and, and spent some time until they actually closed down the building and I had to leave there and then I went to a friend's house and finally I, I had to go home and I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to face my parents because all of a sudden they're getting phone calls from my work and where's Lucas and they're trying to call and find out where I am. And so finally I, I ended up having to go home and kind of face the music. And then here's, here's what I thought in my head. Here's what I thought. I thought I was going to go home and I was going to get chastised. So on top of all the guilt, on top of all the shame, and on top of all the inner turmoil of facing the real world consequences, uh, in my mind's eye, I thought I was gonna go home to parents that were gonna, on top of all of that, we're gonna introduce kind of artificial consequences as well. And just get mad and, and, and put like, you know, some hard things on me. And the reality is in that moment, I was quite a bit older, in that moment, my parents knew to step away from instituting artificial consequences and they walked with me through the real world consequences of my decisions and my choices. And that was kind of a turning point for me and that was a turning point for me and my parents and our relationship. And they had the wisdom to kind of step back and decide we're not gonna, we're not gonna enforce artificial consequences. This has already happened. He's already facing the music 
on the real world consequences of this. We're gonna we're gonna embrace, walk with him through these consequences. And here's the deal: I wonder if we carry this kind of tension when it comes to God. I wonder if we truly believe that God's discipline and chastisement, remember, two different things, training and educating, building up, and <laughs> flogging, uh, introducing artificial consequences, two different things. I wonder if we, we believe, we truly believe that God, his consequences, his discipline is motivated out of love. Because if we did, we would understand that he perfectly knows what we need in that moment. Here's the deal. I, I already mentioned, you know, as parents, uh, fathers, mothers, if we're really honest, the reality is we have no idea what we're doing. And the moment we, we, the moment we feel like we have a handle on this parenting thing, our kids move into a new stage of life and it's like learning all over again, right? You know what I'm saying? Here's the deal. God doesn't have that problem. He knows perfectly what we need and when we need it. And that's a beautiful thing about God. God's discipline is motivated by love because he wants the best for us. Here's the third fundamental. If you're taking notes, write it down. All discipline has the potential, underlying potential, to make you grow. All discipline has the potential to make you grow. Hebrews 12, 10 to 11 says, For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. Talking about parents. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Like I said, any parent will tell you, they, they half the time don't know what they're doing. But... You do the best you can with what you've got, but our, our Heavenly Father doesn't contend with that tension. He knows what's best for you and for your development in the goal of living, practiced life of holiness. A practical, practiced life of holiness that removes barriers from relationship with Him. He, he knows what you need. Here's the deal. There's this difference between uh, parents that do it as seems best to them and in a lot of ways, I don't know about you, but a lot of ways, I think there's a double-edged sword to that statement. I think sometimes parents parent in a way that appeases the parent <laughs> and not necessarily always the child, right? Have you ever been embarrassed in the grocery store by your toddler's behavior and you'll institute discipline? And the reason you're disciplining them is not for their good. It's, it's actually sort of for your reputation, you know what I'm saying? In a, in a kind of weird way. And sometimes we as parents can parent our kids because we want to see them come out a certain way because selfishly, that's kind of what we've pictured for their lives. Whereas God is very different. He disciplines for the individual. Do you, do you see it? He doesn't discipline you so that he can look good because his reputation is intact. He's holy, he's perfect. He is completely confident, 100% confident in who he is. He doesn't need us to validate him. And so he parents us in a way that is for us and for our journey and for our development 
so that we will have unencumbered relationship with him, that we would begin to live practiced lives of holiness and righteousness. Notice it also says they discipline us for a short time. There's a season. There's a season for discipline. There's a season for educating and training up. There's a season for learning. And as we mature and grow through that season, those seasons don't become necessary anymore if we learn the lessons. But here's the deal. Remember I told you to underline potential. We have to understand that every hard time has the potential to make us grow. But this is going to lead us into what we're going to talk about today. And I hope to land here a little bit. The fourth fundamental, in order to grow, in order to see life uh, become a better version of you, we have to believe the fourth fundamental. You have a responsibility in that growth process. You have a a responsibility in that growth process. Hebrews, if you turn to uh, verse 12, Therefore, lift your dropping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. In so many ways, it depends on you how things are going to go. If you remember, underlying potential. Hard times have the potential to see you grow. Part of that potential is you taking responsibility for your journey and partnering with God's grace in it. Sometimes we can, you know, get our nose out of joint. We can get out of joint when God chastises us or when hard times come and we can get out of joint, kind of shake our fists at the heavens. And this causes us to kind of walk crooked. It causes us to engage our brokenness in a way that doesn't allow our joints to heal. Do you you kind of see that metaphor? You know, a joint, if it is out of place or if it is crooked and it does not heal properly, it causes a limp, it causes a, a disability within the body and it becomes hard to walk a straight path. You begin to walk in a crooked way and sometimes we can kind of allow the hard times to justify us leaning into our brokenness in a way that doesn't allow us to heal properly. Remember, the responsibility for that growth, in part, is on you. It's on me. Or we can receive that discipline and that chastisement, and it mends the broken places of our lives. We can receive it and we can take responsibility for those areas that get illuminated to us about us when we face hard times, when we face chastisement, artificial consequences, God intervening, or real world consequences of our decisions and our choices, and and maybe even sometimes the choices of others in their brokenness. 
But we can choose to engage God's grace in that and it begins to mend and we can make paths that are straight because our, our joints are aligned in a way that are right and set right. And so we can walk straight paths. You know, I was recently with someone who is uh, going through an excruciatingly um, kind of horrible situation in time. And, and we, uh, we're, we're chatting about kind of this moment and this, this time. And they said, if I, if I stop to begin asking, you know, is this fair or unfair? You know, why is this happening to us? Why is it happening to me? Um, they said, they said something, if I engage that game of, of why, you know, unfair or fair, I stop grieving. My process gets stopped in its tracks. And here's what I, I thought that was so wise. And here, here's why I think the moment hard times come in our lives. And if we're not careful, we can kind of get into this kind of game where we kind of stop walking out the journey and we start asking whether, why this is so unfair why this is fair or unfair. And the moment we do that, the moment we do that, we stop the process. And the, the reality is, in that moment, we have to begin to point fingers, to lay blame somewhere. And the moment you start laying blame somewhere is the moment you stop the process. You stop grieving. You stop moving forward. You stop healing. You stop engaging what you can do to make the situation better. The moment we start pointing fingers and trying to find someone to blame, we stop the process of growing. And I thought that was so wise. It just leads to bitterness and the joints that are out of place in our brokenness just get solidified out of place and we walk crooked and our paths aren't walked out in a straight way. So we have a responsibility for that growth process. So friends, as we read, uh, you know, 12, three over to 17, uh, it can be a bit of a daunting thing, but I just, I, I just wanna recap and I want you to remember there's two types of discipline we experience. Moments where God artificially, you know, brings consequences, right? Cause he's motivated out of love. He wants to stop us from doing something detrimental to our eternal life. But also there's moments where real world consequences happen. Not necessarily that God brings it, but because we live in brokenness, because we're broken people making broken decisions at times, as we mature and grow, God can use those and he can mine the potential from them for growth. All discipline is motivated by love. All discipline has the potential to make you grow, but you have a responsibility in that growth process. You have a responsibility in that growth process. So I don't know where you're at today. Uh, you know, we're all going through a hard time, so to speak, with all that's going on, particularly right now. And, um, you know, it feels like the stakes are a little bit higher for our region in this moment. But you have to ask yourself, how is God redeeming the potential for growth in this season for you? Now, don't worry about everybody else. <laughs> Don't worry about your spouse that's sitting beside you. Don't worry about your kids necessarily right now. I'm asking this of you. How is this growing you? And are you engaging that process? Are you leaning into your brokenness 
or are you leaning into his perfect plan? Because that's your decision to make. I can't make that for you. I can only make that decision for myself. I can't make that decision even for my kids or for my spouse. I can only make that decision for myself. Are you engaging the process of growing and maturing because of the discipline being trained up and at times, yes, the chastisement. When God loves you so much, he doesn't want to see you do something detrimental to your growth. And he steps in. What does that look like for you? What do you need to engage today? I want to pray for you. And I believe that God has a process ahead for you today and tomorrow and into the next day that he wants to engage with you. And you may not feel like engaging it, Friends, so often, particularly this season, I don't feel like engaging a whole lot of hard things right now, but I believe that there's a potential for growing and maturing in this season that is unprecedented probably in a lot of our lives. So let's engage it. Let's not waste this moment for growth because God redeems all things and he mines the potential for growth out of even the hardest of circumstances. So let's pray. Lord, I just pray for everyone watching and hearing my voice right now, that by your spirit, you would lead and guide each one of us in the potential for growth that you have for us, even in this moment and this season. That Lord Jesus, we would begin to believe that you are a good father who brings equipping and training and educating out of a motivation of love. You bring chastisement out of a motivation of love, you wanna see us grow. You wanna see us have unencumbered relationship with the Father. So Lord, we believe that today. And God, we believe that you can redeem everything. You can redeem all hard things in our lives. You can redeem the most broken areas of our lives and make them the very catalyst that causes us to grow. But Lord, we also just declare today that we do have a responsibility. And so, Lord, would you give us a grace to engage our responsibility in the growth and maturing process that, God, we would make our path straight, that, Lord, we would lift up our drooping hands and that we would strengthen our weak knees and that we would walk out straight paths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just a couple of announcements. We do have our Sunday prayer gathering, Sunday evening, 6.30, coming up. If you visit myevangel.church forward slash relaunch, uh, you can register for that. Here's a caveat to that. We are gonna be monitoring the situation in our region. And so right now we have that open to registration, but that will be subject to change as we get closer to it, uh, depending on what is going on and what we feel is wise in this season. But thank you so much for your support. Speaking of support, if this is adding value to your journey of faith, uh, we would invite you to support us financially. And you can do that a multitude of ways. Visit myevangel.church forward slash give for a little more information on that. We are here from nine to 12 on Sunday mornings. And so we'd welcome to see your faces if you wanted to come in and give uh, that way. And we would love to just meet with you, pray with you, see you in person. Uh, but also during the week, our offices are open Monday to Thursday from 9 o'clock uh, to 5 o'clock with an hour out for lunch there between noon and 1. But we would, we would love to see your faces there as well. So friends, thank you. 
God bless you. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.